the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's great to be together with you again. In a moment, we'll hear from John Schlafly. John Schlafly and Andy Schlafly write the weekly column, The Pro-America Report. Um, Yesterday, two days ago, this week, I'll say that, I had an interesting conversation with Donald Trump. Yeah, you heard that right. And one of the topics was the Phyllis Schlafly report, the Schlafly report that Andy and John write. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Also, we will talk with Ted Malik. We'll talk with him. He's he's broken down in an essay uh, the bank situation, uh, the um, SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and given some real specific reasons why we are where we are and exactly what happened. You're going to want to tune in for that. So, all right. But first, what you need to know today, well, I hadn't told you I was busy and it was a little chaotic. I was I spent um, a couple of days in Florida uh, with some of the January 6th uh, prisoners families. We're doing a docu-series, which is launched. And um, I wanted to go down there. We're doing recording and things. But we also had the opportunity to go over to Mar-a-Lago, a place I'd never been, and brief President Trump. And so it was myself and one other person, Cynthia Hughes, briefing uh, President Trump on what's going on with the Mar-a-Lago, excuse me, with the January 6th prisoners. So it was extraordinary. And I won't say anything more about the meeting. I'd be a little discreet about a meeting with President Trump, except to tell you two details. One, he was very engaged, even though it was right before or in the midst of the kerfuffle over the grand jury um, um, uh, deliberations in New York. He, He was focused on January 6th, he was asking questions about what was going on. He was interested to hear what the story was. He was engaged in every way, in every meaningful way. It was pretty cool. Um, And second, as I mentioned, he came into the meeting and he, um, after saying hello to me and Cynthia Hughes, the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, he said, you know, Ed, I've been reading John and Andy Schlafly's recent column. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, holy cow. So there you have it. John and Andy Schlafly's column, the weekly column they write, is being read by Donald Trump, uh, which is very cool. So you'll want to read this week's, too, because they go into um, more of what's going on. So listen, what you need to know, I want to keep it simple. And I almost want you to have this uh, wink, this segment. I want to keep it simple and clean and clear so you understand what's going on. And it is this. In New York, the district attorney is not considering Donald Trump and the possibility of a felony. That's not what's happening. He has, he thinks, proof that Donald Trump's business has made a, a bookkeeping error, has, has put in the business transactions portion of the civil code of law a violation. They violated the law by calling the payment to Stormy Daniels a, a legal expense when it was really a business expense. Okay, that's it. It's a misdemeanor. It's literally a bookkeeping error under New York business law. Cy Vance, the previous district attorney, and everybody else under the sun said it may be untoward to make payments to Stormy Daniels. It may be, you know, not a good thing. It may be whatever. It's not a violation of anything, they say. And it's not even a violation of that uh, designation that, that, t- that new DA is doing. 
but he is a rabid Soros funded guy. So he has gone to another provision of New York law. And the other provision of New York law says, if you have someone who did a, a misdemeanor, but you believe that their conduct on the misdemeanor was related to the furtherance of another crime, you can charge them with a, a felony. Because a misdemeanor is just simply you send it, you send in some, you know, you send in a uh, you know letter, notice of appearance. Maybe if you're found guilty or you plead guilty, you pay a fine. It's it's, a, it's basically a nickel and dimer. But a felony is real, and there's real consequences. So the underlying crime, quote unquote, that the district attorney of New York thinks he's found is a federal election commission's fine, a crime, which is not a criminal act. It's not a crime at all. It's actually just a violation. If it was one, and nobody thinks it is. So he's just making it up. And here's what you need to know. Our legal authorities, the people with the power to charge individuals with crimes, whether it's Donald Trump in this case, the January 6th defendants in many cases, they are extending the law past its normal and appropriate use in order to punish people whose political positions they don't like. That's what's happening. And it's happening right in front of your eyes. It's happening right in front of your eyes. It has to be something that you, we object to. It has to be something that we stop. It has to be something that's not appropriate because it's deeply, deeply worrying. It's a huge problem. What you need to know is that these activist prosecutors are, it's not that they're preferring to crack down on white collar crime. It's not that they're preferring to let drug users go free. I think both of those things are common with these Soros people. It's that they're Aim, they're finding political opponents, and they're just finding a way to get them. It's deeply troubling. It should be very worrying. All right, that's what you need to know. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk with John Schlafly and Ted Malik and a whole lot more. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and tune in, uh, excuse me, sign up there and get the daily emails. Be right back. Ed Martin, ProAmerica Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Ted Malik, our old friend. Ted Malik, of course, is a, well, he's been a businessman. He's been an author. He's a professor. He's a world traveler, a Sherpa, all kinds of things. He's been a lot of things. And uh, my friend now, and uh, Ted's got another column out. This time he's, it's very helpful, Ted. I have to say it's over at One America News on their commentary page. I'll put the link up on social media, uh, explaining what's going on with this uh, Silicon Valley Bank and the banking crisis. I mean, you have, you have a, you know, five or six decades of experience watching and participating in the banking system. So walk us through what's really happening here, Ted. Yeah, well, good morning, Ed. Uh, good to be with you. I, uh, the French use the term uh, uh, orange parfait, which, of course, means perfect storm. And that's what we uh, faced, uh, you know, for the last, uh, I would say, period of time. And it came to fruition about a week and a half ago. But we're not out of this uh, storm by any means. You know, we have a, a collision of many factors. So what I did in this uh, piece is, unlike the media, is try to unravel all of the parts, I count six of them, that uh, are particularly damaging. 
that led to this um, <clears throat> second largest uh, uh, collapse in, uh, in in you know wall of U.S. history of a bank that is the SVB Bank. Then we had on Sunday after that the Signature Bank collapse, and I, I think you know the Credit Suisse uh, situation is not dissimilar, although it's a, not an American bank. And there are about two dozen other banks, frankly, that are in deep trouble. And if you follow any financial news whatsoever, you can read that long list. And uh, we're not out of the woods by any means. Well, that's the first thing I want to ask you, Ted, is the coverage of it seemed to me to be too quick to say that, hey, um, we guaranteed uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank Therefore, nothing to see here. I mean, the fundamentals are off, right? I mean, and and so it's not one bank. I think you wrote there that Silicon Valley is the 16th largest bank. So it's not small, but it's not the big boys. Um, But what's the reality then, uh, Ted? Are we facing, I mean, are there 10 other banks that are facing this problem? And and how would you describe the, the general problem. I mean, it's not only um, uh, Biden's regulators and all, it's also the massive spending that the COVID did with Trump too, right? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blame. Yeah. So, I mean, the answer is that all banks, frankly, are in, are in this mismatch, you know, where their liabilities and assets don't, uh, don't match up. That's in large part because of the economy and because of the interest rate situation. Uh, But those uh, banks, you know, can be monitored and the credit uh, agencies rate them. And some of them are now literally junk uh, or, you know, they're uh, <clears throat> assets that people don't want to hold. So what we have is not just a run on certain banks. SVB obviously had that kind of run, but lots of people. Uh, and I mean, not only those with $250,000 and less in deposits, but those with certainly more are reconsidering their banking relationships and are running to the money center banks that are quote unquote too big to fail. Um, so SVB itself got caught in the crosshairs of the Biden economy. It was fueled by wokeness and rising interest rates. That's what I say. There are six reasons that the bank potentially and others, I think with similar models, some of them are regional banks, uh, have misjudged portfolio risks in their portfolio and the duration of bond yields. And they could see the same result. Um, I mean, the question is, uh, you know, what will the Fed do about it? What will the FDIC do about it? Or will we find that there are certain banks like this SVB where the Democrats uh, uh, benefited? I mean, $73 million given by SVB to Black Lives Matter, uh, millions given to Democratic candidates over the course of the last few elections, 97% 97% of all of its donations went to Democrats. Uh, the governor of California has multi, multi-million dollar accounts there and begged for buyouts. Um, so what we have is, in effect, a bailout system for Biden's Democratic billionaire friends. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik again, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, Ted, of course, the author, businessman, uh, professor all over the world on this. Is this problem American only? Are, I, I know you said Credit Suisse, and I, I don't know the specifics to know, but is this problem that, you know, this um, the uh, spending, inflation, and then this picking winners and losers? Is it, I mean, if you're a smaller nation, you can't afford to bail out your bank. I mean, we can't really afford to do it, but we sort of do it uh, by mirrors, right? 
Well, I, I, it is a global problem. And uh, at least last week, it was estimated that about $80 billion in bank assets globally were lost due to this run on banks. So it is a, it's not quite a contagion yet, but it's, it's a large phenomenon and it affects banks all over the world. The rising interest rates in particular are very damaging to uh, poorer countries, as you might suspect. They can't afford these higher rates based in U.S. dollars. But yes, we have a unique banking system in the United States. It used to have about 3,800 banks, many of them smaller community banks. And there has been some consolidation, some acquisition. There could be a lot more. But this kind of thing puts lots of pressure on those banks who are uh, mismanaged in some cases and don't have the proper match between their assets and their liabilities. I could go at length, and I have in this article, to talk about some of those banks' woke priorities, which I think also got them and will continue to get them into deep trouble as they take their eye off of banking, which is what they're supposed to be doing, banking. Um, we're talking Ted Malik. Ted, um, what happens when a bank gets bailed out like this? I mean, there was no more money the day before. So when we bail them out, it's, is it the taxpayer that does it? And what happens if 10 more banks go upside down like this? Is there, is there a point where you can't, the Fed and, 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 and the federal government can't make a straight face and claim that this is, you know, that it works to bail them out? I mean, is that, is that what the end oh. is? And we finally <clears throat> see somebody held mm-hmm. accountable? Well, this is unlike the 2008 banking crisis, um, where the big money center banks were in trouble and there was a bailout of or a merger of a number of those institutions. Here, you know, it's cherry picking of smaller banks. uh, And they they aren't technical bailouts in that the government took them over. They're actually going into bankruptcy. What the government is doing, the FDIC is doing with Biden's approval, Janet Yellen's approval, is insuring the deposits over $250,000. Now, there's insurance on accounts under that amount. But here we have some even Chinese venture firms with billions of dollars of assets, over 250000 and they're being bailed out by the FDIC. Now, who's going to pay for that? The joke is that the taxpayer doesn't have to pay a dime. If you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you, because those costs get passed on to all of the banks, and the banks pass those costs on to all of their customers. <laughs> So uh, back to my question, because the big banks, the big, big, the biggest banks aren't in trouble. Can this go on for uh, 10 more banks? I mean, you know, in other words, is that the is that the worst case is that we do this 10 more times? And as you point out, everybody's paying. They may not feel it or think they feel it yet. Is that what um, or maybe say it a different way, Ted, when you observe this, what's the path out? What's the path forward that would be better? Well, on the left, people would say just uh, uh, put the FDI insurance at uh, an unlimited amount, bail everybody out, and the government will pick up the tab even if it's uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. That, you know, that's a typical leftist response. My response is that if a bank is poorly managed, if a bank doesn't have risk controls, if a bank has a fondness for democratic favor-seeking, and if a bank has unethical leadership, then you're going to have to let it fail. And that's the cost of doing business in a capitalist economy. 
The um, um, how how common do you think it was with Silicon Valley Bank? And you you described this. We're talking about the Ted Malik in your column. You described these um, these these uh, politically correct actions that they took in terms of um, you know not keeping their eye on being bankers. They instead wanted to be Black Lives Matter supporters and virtue signaling and all. How common is that? I mean, are, are we? In other words. If you looked, if you stopped and looked, is every bank doing that? Is Bank of America doing that? I mean, are they all maybe they're uh, are they all taking their eye off? I, I, I would argue, and and you could prove this, you know, just with empirical research, and I've done some, that banks have moved towards independent directors, they've moved towards diversity candidates on their boards, and they've moved away from banking. Uh, and I, I think this is selfish, unethical kind of leadership. I mean, it's interesting that on the SVB Bank, they had 90% independent directors. Um, they had diversity to the gazoo. And they had only one person on their entire board who had any experience in banking. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, is that... Uh is another answer, Ted, can you, could you envision, and I think I know the answer had to do with the federal regulators, that the community banks and, and smaller banks, it's harder to do than ever. And you can't really, you're forced. So we're, we're not going to have an explosion of, uh, of uh, local banks, are we? Or, or is, is that a part, could that be a part of a solution? Well, I, I, you know, many of these smaller banks actually have a similar uh, mismatch between their assets and their abilities. So they're they're, they're in some trouble economically, and that's largely due to the fact that, you know, we've printed $6 trillion, and the inflation rate went to 9%, even if it's fallen back some, and the Fed is actually today going to kick up the interest rates again. So, the you know, the Fed is implicit in this somewhat for keeping interest rates too low too long and then rising them too fast and doing damage to the banking system. Uh, but, yes, you know, this has spread across the entire banking sector, across the entire financial services industry. So, you know, if you're uh, an investor or even even a, a, a larger investor, you, you want to go to a bank that's more sound. Well, that's what I, you know, you, you have, at this point, in my mind, you, at this point, you have to be crazy not to be at one of the top three or four banks just because you, you know, they're too big to fail. I mean, <laughs> you, human nature at this point is you can see the, the sign on the wall is too big to fail. And even though they did protect SVB or bail, you know, I mean, you could bail it out or whatever. Uh, I, I think, you know, you'd be crazy to be uh, uh, anywhere but the biggest banks. All right, Ted Malik, what's coming next? I know we, we often get a preview of what you're writing on next. What's, what's coming out of your pen well, I, in I'm, the next I'm, couple I'm, of days? I'm finished an article that will be out soon with a picture of uh, Putin on the toilet with the title, Your Enemy. I think we've given uh, Putin too much of a pass, and we need to remind ourselves that he's not only a KGB agent, but he is the personification of what Ronald Reagan talked about decades ago in that famous speech to the National Association of Evangelicals. He is the incarnation of evil itself. Excellent. All right. We'll look forward to it. Ted Malik, as always, thank you for being with us. And thank you for writing over One America News on their commentary page. I'll put it up on social media. Thanks, Ted. Great. We will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column, the Schlafly Report. He and his brother Andy do it every week. Uh, faithfully, we say, as we say in the business, faithfully. I don't think they've taken a week off in years. And this week, uh, they've got a bounce in their step because I was with President Donald Trump uh, a couple days ago. And President Trump, after exchanging a few niceties with me, not very many, he said, you know, I just was reading the uh, the column by uh, John and Andy Schlafly. Great writing, great stuff. And it went on out there. And so there you go, John. High praise. So welcome back to the program. How are you? Well, thank you, Ed, and that's that's certainly very gratifying. Um, uh, that's that's very very good news. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. It was a, it was a great uh, thing to hear him talk about. Now, John, this week's column, same topic. He's probably going to be interested in this uh, uh, column too because uh, it was about uh, the investigators. Tell us about the column and what 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 do you see going on here at this point with. Uh, with everything, John. I mean, we're we're at a point of no return, right? Yes, of course. We're everyone is watching uh, what we've been told is about to happen. We're to, we're told it would happen Tuesday, and if not Tuesday, it would happen Wednesday, and if not Wednesday, perhaps Thursday, and uh, and that is the impending indictment and arrest of Donald Trump by the New York Manhattan District Attorney. And uh, so that, of course, is totally unprecedented for a variety of reasons. And um, the charge that he's supposedly working on is, frankly, laughable. And just for the record, it's been looked at by other prosecutors who decided correctly that there's nothing there. Um, And those those other prosecutors are not friendly to Trump, and yet they agreed there's nothing there. There's nothing criminal. And yet this Alvin Bragg, who was basically elected with the, with the large help from George Soros, who's been, um, as, by the way, as uh, Senator J.D. Vance said, he's really, you know, he's ruining our country, and not just in the, this case, but with the uh, prosecuting attorneys that he's managed to get elected in about two dozen of our biggest cities. And as, and you know, John, so, we're talking with John Schlafly and his, his column. His column this week is the investigators, and we're specifically talking about the uh, district attorney in New York. But as, as you broadened it, John, in, in, in our hometown, St. Louis, the St. Louis prosecutor there elected in a multi uh, uh, Democrat primary, the most liberal, a Soros-funded person. She's made a, a mockery of, of everything. It was an international story when someone she allowed to not be charged for multiple crimes ended up maiming, uh, you know, really damaging a young girl who was visiting St. Louis for a volleyball tournament, you know. And, and in New York City, it, Manhattan has crime all over the place. I mean, it's, it's wild because they're not prosecuting crimes. And yet, you know, it's even more outrageous, John. And this is why I, I don't know what investigate the investigators leads to, which is the title of your column. But, you know, the district attorney in New York, as I just said earlier on this uh, on this program, uh, he, he has a misdemeanor charge that he's looking at for a business records a business transaction documentation problem. It's a misdemeanor. And yet he is invoking the ability to turn a misdemeanor into a felony when he has evidence that there was a, another crime to be done. But the other crime to be done is supposed to be 
a federal election crime, which nobody has any proof of. Nobody's filed a complaint about. Nobody has proven. And yet he's going to get a grand jury testimony. And again, you do talk about this in your column uh, in a grand jury where there's no cross-examination. And the grand jury is going to hear from uh, Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen's going to say, yeah, we, we thought we were getting away with a, a, a crime under the federal election law. Michael Cohen, a, a convicted uh, you know, uh, 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 he pled guilty to crimes, not only crimes, but lying crimes. And here we are. I mean, John, it's not just a mockery. It's a playbook to use the law against the citizens. And it makes pretty clear if Donald Trump, when he stands up and says, it's not me there after it's you, I'm just in the way. That's pretty much how it feels. Well, that's right. In this business about election law, you know, the, the federal election law has says that provides that expenditures for personal matters are not campaign expenditures. And the expenditure that we're talking about, it was for a personal matter. And, uh, you know, the the idea, you can't say that it was a campaign matter if it would have been, it would have been illegal to to treat it as a campaign manager because campaigns are not allowed to spend campaign money for personal right. expenditures. And so anyway, right. the whole thing is, uh, is outrageous from beginning to end. But when we say investigate the investigators, what we point out, Ed, is that the House of Representatives, which is under uh, Republican control, has powers, and it should exercise those powers. And uh, starting with the power of investigation, they've already demanded that the now, of course, federal government does not normally supervise a local district attorney, but if the local district attorney is going to interfere with a federal election, which he's doing, that makes it a federal issue. And uh, so... Uh, but so, John, and, but John federal, let me ask you, when you get to the... ...is protected by the speech and debate clause, which is very broad and covers to any legislative matter that the... House will takes up basically, and they should push that to the limits to uh, investigate and unearth what's going on in Manhattan. Um, John, uh, uh, first of all, let me pause and, and on that. Um, one of the things that I think the uh, and I, I don't think you allude to this directly, but I would encourage you uh, on this. Um, it, it feels like sometimes the people in power are only playing the uh, only running the plays that are in the playbook, meaning, oh, you know, we're going to do an oversight here. Well, why not? As you just point out, have extended floor debate on the question of this and and create a a a phenomenon. I mean, create a a, an earned media storm of coverage. I, I, you know, I, as you know, part of the reason I was down in uh, in Florida this week was to see some of the January 6th families, the people whose loved ones are prisoners. And and one of the things they say over and over again is the presence of the Congressional Select Committee lying about what occurred and being so one-sided had a dramatic effect on the ability of these people, families of, of prisoners, to, to live in their community because their community was being told, oh, insurrection, insurrection. And the, and the point is, that was Congress. Nobody has said, maybe they should, that we should prosecute Liz Cheney and uh, Benny Thompson for wasting tax dollars. It's, it is, a, as you say, a protected. It may be terribly unethical, 
but it's protected speech as we contemplated. But the Republicans are saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're going to do we're going to send a subpoena. Uh, Congressman Comer, the chairman of the oversight, will send a subpoena. They'll ignore the subpoena. They'll delay the subpoena. They'll lie in the subpoena. And we will be here in three months, six months, nine months again. I mean, John, we've got to get some who are willing to change the plays, run different plays than we've been getting beaten at. Oh, that's right. And, you know, the, the Republicans have been in control of the House for, what, two and a half months now. Right. And uh, not much happening uh, other than a couple of show votes. Uh, no, I'm opt- I'm hurt. I mean, I'm hopeful. But, you know, why are we not seeing exactly what you're talking about? Why has uh, Speaker not appointed a new chairman of the January 6th special committee who will right. investigate these things and go to town with them? Right. That, should be, uh, that You know, that should have been done. Uh, John, what what do you if you investigate the investigators, in this case, the district attorney Bragg, I think part of the reality is that Bragg, a little bit like in St. Louis, our hometown, again, the, the circuit attorney there, when you get to the bottom of it, they're sort of shameless. Uh, they don't there's there's no cost to them. In fact, it may make it easier for them politically to in, in a one in a one party town like New York City, Manhattan, uh, being a, a partisan hack, you know, who's not paying attention to the law or the tradition or uh, the requirements. It kind of looks like somebody who's, uh, you know, doing pretty well with the Democrat base and, and may not never be displaced uh, by the voters. So what do you get to the bottom of it? I mean, can, do we do we uh, envision I, can you, you can't impeach a district attorney, but your, your point is it's bully pulpit time. Right. Or or maybe it's um, uh, because of, I guess because it's a federal election that they're impacting, you can make an argument to try to get them prosecuted. Well, a federal election is, is is they're interfering with a federal election and not the 2024 election. They're doing that right now. And in addition, I think, you know, we strongly suspect there's been some back channel uh, communications between Alvin Bragg's office and other persons. And we need to expose those. And so back to um, talk a little bit about this sort of odds of uh of good behavior um do you think you do you see um the the uh opportunity for leadership i think um i think president trump has stepped up in terms of the da in the in new york and taken the negative attention and shined a light on uh on new york and i think he probably will you know i, I often say he's an energy monster uh, you know he just loves energy and so he'll turn negative energy into something he can use uh, is that as good as it gets or, 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 or you know, do you think uh, uh, others are going to step up here? Is J.D. Vance going to step up here? Is, uh, I did notice Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from New York, was pretty vocal on this. Um, is there some are, are there some other heroes out there that we should look towards? Well, I think it's time for everyone to be heard from. And, uh, and that includes the people whose names have been mentioned as presidential candidates. Several of them were slow to uh, address this issue, and a couple of them have not, still not been heard from. So, uh, and you know, the Alvin Bragg is just the first. There are other potential prosecutions that have been worked on, including the one in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County, and the special counsel in the U.S. Justice Department. Well, these are other shoes which are may drop, and if they do, there's got to be a united. Um, effort by the Republican Party to uh, 
to respond. We'll push, back. Say. push back. Push back. Uh, push back. Shut down, and so on. Um, John, do you have an a, an opinion? I have expressed mine at the beginning of the program again on. DeSantis handling of this. Governor DeSantis, uh, and uh, you haven't heard my assessment, I don't think. I, I said basically Ron DeSantis handled um, this situation like a traditional uh, run-of-the-mill, normal, everyday Republican candidate. He, he tried to message. They sat in a room. They came up with a message. Let's repeat the hush payment line over and over again, and that'll, make, uh, that'll embarrass Trump, and then uh, we'll say something milquetoast. I, I think the problem is it's not 2015. Um, he looked to me like a cross between uh, Scott Walker in terms of blah energy and Jeb Bush in terms of explaining away something serious as none of uh, our business. I, I, I really do think it was a terrible miscalculation. Do you have the same uh, general assessment? Uh, yes, it was it was too little, too late. And uh, I think that if he wants to be a national figure, he has to address this national issue, which, you know, we it's the most important issue of this week. That's why we we wrote the column about it. It's unprecedented. It's a crisis, potentially, if Alvin Bragg goes forward. And, uh, and, and national figures have to be heard from. Now, you know, uh, I, I, I mean, uh, John, I to, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Ahead. I apologize. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, uh, go on an unrelated issue. I mean, DeSantis has taken a lot of heat for his use of the term territorial dispute regarding Russia and Ukraine. And so, uh, you know, that's really, and that's, you know, the biggest issue in the world right now. And perhaps, and um, well, it can't be too hard. I mean, I want to hope he stands by that statement because it's correct as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, he yeah, has I been got, rebuked. He's rebuked yeah. by everybody in the permanent government in Washington, including most of the other figures in the Republican Party, for making that statement. Yeah, I thought that was uh, we're talking with John Schlafly again. We're talking about uh, Ron DeSantis referring to a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine. I thought it was helpful in that sense that he was covering that ground on that on that issue, um, making clear that, you know, there's it's not just, say, Trump who's wondering, but. Uh, but back to the this this bigger question of the of the uh, you know the, the the district attorney Bragg. By the way, I give John. I'll give you credit. You know, I do a daily commentary, radio commentary, as the listeners may know, and uh, we play it at the end of the program, but the, to, before the last segment, and runs all over the country. And I I will steal from John and Andy Schlafly's columns. And for the last maybe six weeks, uh, they have been writing about a number of columns about the Georgia uh, district attorney getting outside of the purview and influencing a presidential election. I, I, John, I think you got yourself wrapped around to New York fast enough, but for a while you were definitely ahead of the game on, on saying, hey, this is what this guy is doing. Now you better adjust again. Uh, the, the Department of Justice special prosecutor has been hand-delivered hand uh, the attorney-client privilege documents between Trump and his attorney about the National Archives, and they're going to go and do this thing where they're, gonna, they're actually not going to indict Trump for the fact that he didn't put the records in the right place. They're going to try to indict him for the fact that he sort of maybe misled his lawyers, which, you know, this is beyond belief that this is going on. And John, one last question about this. When you watch all this happen, one of the groups that used to have a, a role in holding the system together was the bar. Broadly speaking, meaning the lawyers that could be Democrat and Republican, but they had a sort of, no, not a sort of, they had a real deep 
respect for the law and the system. You know, your father famously played a, a leading role on the ABA back when the ABA was not totally bonkers. Your mother went to law school later, later in his, her career and was made that a factor. You were yourself are a lawyer. You're, you've got uh, a, a brother that's a lawyer. The, the judges, the prosecutors, and the bar are, are far too silent on this abuse of our system, aren't they, John? I mean, that may be the dog that's not barking. The silence of the bar, meaning a kind of end of our, our, our legal system working right. Well, I think they are, and I think you're right about that. And, uh, of course, we have to do, you know, give a honorable mention to Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, who is a liberal Democrat, and yet he has stood pretty firm and tough against these abuses, most of them, and he's out with a new book now um, on, on the, the war against Trump. But but he is a single example, and you're right that the institutional legal system has not done what they should have done. And indeed, what we hear is that Trump's lawyers, their, their efforts trying to get them disbarred and right. removed right. from the exactly. profession, which has been outraged. Now, Sidney yeah. Powell fortunately survived the action against her in Texas, but there are others pending, John well. Eastman. Yeah, Jeff, 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 Jeff Clark, Jeff Clark, widely, widely Clark. considered one of the smartest lawyers in D.C. by everybody until he happened to be acting attorney general under Trump. And now he now he's being threatened with, uh, you know, bar actions against him. It's, it's crazy. Uh, John, all right, I've got to go. John Schlafly, everybody. John and Andy Schlafly write a column read uh, by Donald Trump. Uh, so you should read it, too. I mean, that's the best way to tell it. If John, Donald Trump is reading it, you better read it, too. It's a Available at townhall.com, but also archived over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. So again, thank you, John, for uh, the time and for writing the column for Donald Trump that we're allowed to read, too. We appreciate it. We will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. The small town of Knoxville, Iowa, has proved that concerned grassroots can hold elected officials accountable for their decisions in office. The city received a threatening letter from the liberal organization Americans United for Separation of Church and State. The letter demanded that Knoxville remove what they called a breach of separation of church and state. The so-called breach was a silhouette of a soldier kneeling before a cross. The silhouette was placed in Knoxville's park by the local chapter of the American Veterans Association. The veterans wanted the memorial to honor citizens of the city who had made the ultimate sacrifice in combat. After the letter was sent demanding that the memorial be taken down, the issue was brought before Knoxville's city council. Citizens of the city gave their overwhelming support to keep the memorial by holding a rally. They also pledged their support to any city council member who would keep the memorial. Nevertheless, the city council voted three to two to remove the memorial. Immediately, 2,000 small white crosses were placed in yards all over town in support of the memorial. The day after the city council's decision was election day, 
and two of the three city council members who opposed the memorial were voted out of office. The third councilman who opposed the memorial chose not to run for re-election. Clearly, this incident shows that voters can hold elected officials accountable for their actions. Your vote is important to those who represent you. Do not be silenced by big liberal organizations like Americans United for Separation of Church and State. The city of Knoxville, Iowa, is proof that a grassroots effort can be effective in the fight for traditional American values. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I went too long on those interviews, so I'm a little long. I only got about 50 seconds. So let me just say thank you, as always, uh, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer who does a great job, and uh, also Ryan Hyder, associate producer. The Those guys help me uh, keep this thing together. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink uh, and uh, also all the rest of uh, what we're up to uh, at phyllisschlafly.com. So we will be back uh, tomorrow. Thank you again for listening. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.